morning. It's nice to see all of you this morning. Good to be here. Welcome to the gathering. Um, first of all, I want to thank you for registering your attendance. The black attendance pad should be on the end of each of the pews. If, you'll, if you haven't signed it, if you'll be sure to do that and pass it along to your neighbor. And for those of you who are worshiping with us online, welcome to you. And there should be a place for you to register your attendance as well. So we really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Now, everything that you're going to need this morning is going to be up on the screens, your call to worship, your words to the hymns, things like that. So um, just be paying attention to that. And I have a few short announcements this morning. First, we are coming up on the season of Lent, and that begins with Ash Wednesday, which will be a week from this Wednesday, March the, uh, excuse me, February the 22nd. We'll have a service at noon and a service at 7 o'clock that night. Also, there will be a family Ash Wednesday service with a dinner that begins at 5.30, followed by activities for the children in the children's wing. It's going to be a beautiful way for you to start this Lenten season, and if you haven't ever done that before, I hope that you'll participate. It really is a meaningful service. Second, and this is just for the women, it's been a while since we've done this, but we're going to have a women's retreat. It's at a very nice resort. You're going to be led by the clergy women of the church. There will be special um, studies, opportunities for uh, contemplation and prayer and reflection, but there's also plenty of free time and lots of options, including a spa and horseback riding. Um, so you're going to want to do that. That will be at the end of March, the 24th through the 26th. There's more information on the website, but I do need to let you know that registration is going to be ending in about a week, a week and a half. So please uh, grab a friend and sign up. You're, gonna, you're not going to regret it. I promise you. It's going to be a wonderful time. So with all that in mind, let us stand now for the call to worship. Listen, for this is good news. God's grace is wider than our wildest imaginings. God's grace embraces us as we are and where we are and draws us out to be the people we were created to be. Amen. So glad you're here with us. If you're joining us online, glad you're worshiping with us as well. My name is Clint Church. I'm one of the worship leaders here with the Gathering Band as well. Uh, we're going to sing a song. Uh, it's called Follow You, and it's, it's a song that's, uh, it starts with an old, uh, it's not really a hymn, but uh, it's called I've Decided to Follow Jesus. I don't know if you've heard that song. If you have, it'll be up on the screens. Uh, we're going to sing together this morning. Let's, uh, let's worship together.
Show 
Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hello, everyone. Good morning and welcome. My name is Lance, one of the pastors here at the church, and I'm just reflecting on what a wonderful season of baptism it's been in the lives of our church. Uh, there's been so many baptisms recently, and as a United Methodist Church, we do baptize infant children as a sign of God's provenient grace in their life, as well as children who are old enough to answer for themselves. But we also baptize people of all ages, and you know, just last week in the confirmation service, we had 13 young people who were baptized. Over the last few uh, pastries of the pastors joining events, we've had multiple adult baptisms. So just want to remind you that in the United Methodist Church, if you've ever been baptized at any point in your life, we honor that baptism. We never re-baptize because you could never be unbaptized. But at the same time, no matter where you are, no matter what age you are, if you're ready to come to the altar to receive the waters of baptism and take that next step, please know that you are not alone, that God is sending many people to this church for exactly that. And so I praise God for that. And we have some work to do ahead of us, and it's at this time I would like to invite the families of Ryder Farish and Elaine Dunn forward for baptism. If y'all will stand right over here, and if y'all will face the camera so everyone can see how good you look. Now, Elaine's little, so her parents are going to answer for her, but Ryder, you're old enough to answer for yourself. So I'm going to ask these questions, and when I ask the questions, I'd like you to answer if you would, please, sir. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We're incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All of this is God's gift offered to us without price. I present Ryder Webb Farish and Elaine Taylor Dunn for baptism this morning. So now, on behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? If so, say, I do. I do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? If so, say, I do. I do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church? which Christ has opened to people of all ages, all nations, and all races? If so, say, I do. I do. And now this is a question just for Elaine's parents. Will you nurture Elaine in Christ's holy church, that by your teaching and example, she may be guided to accept God's grace for herself, to profess her faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? If so, say, I will. And then Ryder, just for you, According to the grace given to you, will you remain a faithful member of Christ's holy church and serve as one of Christ's representatives in the world? If so, say, I will. I will. Amen. All right, let's baptize Elaine first. Let's just interrupt this nap real quick. <gasps> yes. Hey, sweetie. Look at this baby. you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and pray God's richest blessings upon you now and every day of your life. Amen. <laughs> Would you lay hands on her with me, please? Elaine Taylor, the Holy Spirit work within you, that being born through water and the Spirit, you may live as a faithful disciple of your Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 
No. All right, hop up, but no. Um, <laughs> Ryder, if you'll come right over here with me, if you will place your knees on that cushion. Ryder Webb Ferris, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and pray God's richest blessings upon you now and every day of your life. Amen. Would you all lay hands on him with me, please? No, we agree. Ryder Webb, the Holy Spirit work within you, that being born through water and the Spirit, you may live as a faithful disciple of your Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Ryder, please stand. On behalf of Ryder and Elaine and all those who love them, if you're one of the people who wants to be a part of their life together with the body of Christ in this, the First United Methodist Church of Fort Worth, to teach them into faith, to make sure that they are established and confirmed in the way that leads to life eternal, would you please indicate so and welcome them by your warm round of applause. Congratulations, my friend. Excellently done. Y'all can have a seat. Congratulations. Thank you. Good morning. This is a time of prayer called Praise of the People. So you are going to follow me, and then when I say, Lord, in your mercy, you will answer? Hear our prayer. Okay, let's have a moment of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, today we come before you in confidence because you accept us as we are. Thank you, Lord, for this love. Forgive our sin and faults. We want to feel your forgiveness and restoration. Change us, make us better for our own good and the good of those around us. May your light remove all darkness around us. Lord, in your mercy. Dear God, you know all things. Your creation is witness to your love and power. Each day is a new opportunity to be better. Help us to see as you see and feel as you feel. We thank you for what you do in us and with us. Lord, in your mercy. Oh, Lord, we wait for you to come again into our midst. Sometimes we wait patiently, sometimes not. Always we are aware of how much the world needs you. We pray today for those in our community who need your healing and comfort. Lord, in your mercy, always and everywhere, O oh Holy Spirit, we are never alone. You come alongside us to lead us and comfort us, give us the strength and everyday wisdom. Lord, in your mercy, I invite you to name or uh, to name or name those in your heart or special need that you have right now. Lord, in this moment, we pray for the people of Syria and Turkey. All this loss that the families are experiencing, we pray for them. Be with them. We also pray for Tania Alcala, your healing touch in our families, in our church. Lord, in your mercy, God of the last 
God of the first, God of all those in between, hear these concerns as we seek your presence in, your, in our lives and in a world in need. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Okay, this is a good time uh, to remind you that we have social media as a church. We have Instagram, we have YouTube, we have a web page, we have a Facebook page, and you can watch the music, you can watch the sermon, you can be with us, and, 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 and when you are at home, you can still continue to be part of the church. So we invite you to, to check that out, and, and please be part of this amazing social media that we have in first. So please feel welcome also to, to join us uh, at your home or your work or everywhere you are, and please uh, join us in, in that. So also we have a good time uh, of prayer. We have a good time to support our church and, and all these things, all that you see here around us is just made possible because of you, because of your attendance, your presence here, but also your support. It is so important for us because we can be open. We can do ministry with you. So thank you for your donations. Thank you for your offering. Thank you for your tithes. Thank you for your support. Because in a way, also, that's a type of worship that you do to God. So thank you for being part of the church and be part of worship in this act of offering. Let us have a moment of prayer. Father, we thank you for this time of worship through our gifts. Receive this offering for the support of this beautiful ministry that we are part of. Bless our church and those who lead it in each family represented here. We ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So I ask the ushers that please come forward and help us so you can... Uh, do your offering, and if you're not able to uh, do a donation right now, you can take a card that says you can give online, so please do so. So thank you so much for your support. Stone up pages in this book Words that tell me I'm no good Chapters that define me for so long But the hands of grace and endless love Dusted off and picked me up Told my heart the hope is never gone God is in this story I 
nice to see you. I'm so glad that you are here. My name is Samuel Macias. I forgot to introduce myself. Uh, if you are new, you are visiting us. Well, I'm one of the pastors here at first, uh, and I welcome you. Thank you for being part of us and, and being part of this time of worship. I'm going to read the scripture that uh, we're going to be inspired uh, for the sermon this morning in our scripture reading. This morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 1 through 14. And I will be reading from the New Revised Standard Version, updated edition. And, and I invite you to read along in your own Bible or in the one that is in your pew Bibles in front of you. It is on page, uh, it's not page 6, it's, I think it's page 606 or something, but it's in the New Testament. <laughs> yeah, because I only have the number 6 right here. It's, uh, but it's, it's in your Bible. So we're going to read our Bible and I know that you're going to be blessed by this scripture, but also from the sermon this morning. Do not judge. So that you not be, I'm sorry, do not judge so that you may not be judged. For the judgment you will give will be the judgment you get. And the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the lock out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs. Do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them underfoot and turn and maul you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives, 
and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Is there anyone among you who, if your, if your child asks for bread, you will give a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish, will you give a snake? If you then who are evil know how to give good, good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? In everything, do to others as you will have them do to you. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction. And there are many who take it, for the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life. And there are few who find it. God speak to us through the reading of the scripture. Thanks be to God. Pastor. Before considering today's scripture reading and today's message, I want to say words of gratitude and thanks. Uh, words of gratitude to the folks who are leading in children's ministry. How cool was it to see Writers Fan Club hang around for the baptism before heading upstairs? That's so special. Something so powerful about raising your kids and families together in a community of faith. I want to say thanks, of course, to the kids in youth ministry across the street, all the folks who are teaching them, all the folks upstairs. One of the things I do all the time is thank our technology team for connecting us in a whole bunch of different ways, whether we're here, present, or anywhere in the world online. And they've got a new gift they want me to tell you about, so I'm going to start the message with that today. Don't normally carry my cell phone uh, during me, with me up here during sermons because I'm afraid of being on America's Funniest Home Videos. Um, but I do want to draw your attention, if you take your phone out and go to the App Store, whether you have a iPhone or whether you have an Android device, go to your App Store and if you search My FUMC, My FUMC, we have a brand new app that we would love to share with you. And the app is wonderful. Uh, it's a great alternative to watching the services live via a browser or something like that. It's even working here in our church on the Wi-Fi with 500 other people doing it, uh, which is really wonderful. It's a great way for you to connect uh, a lot more smoothly and reliably than through a web device. It's a really great way for you to share services as well. If you're one of the folks that likes to watch online on your television, you'll be able to cast really easily from your mobile device up onto your TV. Also, if you have an Apple TV or a Roku device, you can download the MyFUMC app directly to that. So a really easy way for you to worship online uh, with your home television. And then there's additional content as well. I've already recovered, I've already recorded an entire Bible study walking through the Gospel of Mark, line by line. It's a Bible study where I engage with the Scripture and then give some explanatory notes and some application notes. And that's already available right there on my FUMC. So if you haven't been able to actually come and participate in a Bible study with me, well now you can while you're walking the dog or doing the dishes or all the other things that I find a way to live listen to while I'm uh, handling stuff throughout my life. So my FUMC, and you'll notice we, we didn't put FUMC Fort Worth. We just put my FUMC. And that's because our digital ministries are very quickly expanding to reach people well beyond just the greater Fort Worth and Tarrant County area. And so uh, if you know someone in your life who would benefit from connecting with a church like ours, and maybe just don't have it in their area, this is an even easier way to do it. And they can set it up where it'll automatically ping them every time we go live uh, with services and things like that. So thanks to the tech team for connecting it. And I also want to point out all of this is made possible because decades ago, uh, some extremely generous people made very thoughtful gifts and created an endowment through our foundation to continuously support upgrades to our broadcast ministries. So all of the upgrades of camera and lighting, sound, equipment, online and streaming, none of that has come from the operating budget and your giving. That's all been made possible by endowments and previous members of our church who want, they, they never saw internet streaming on mobile devices coming. 
But they, beginning with broadcast and radio, we were the first ever church to broadcast on radio in the state of Texas. Of course, we used television for a very long time. We've always been on the forefront of technology and long-sighted and big-hearted donors like that have made it possible. So, so thankful for them, so thankful for you. And please make sure to use that and to share it with anyone who would benefit from it. So my name is Lance Marshall. I'm the senior pastor here at the First United Methodist Church of Fort Worth. And uh, I do happen to have a couple kids. I think I've mentioned that to y'all in the past, and I couldn't help think about them when I was reading this scripture for this week. And this scripture's got a lot in it, a lot of real Hall of Fame Bible verses. You know, judge not, lest ye be judged, the speck in their eye and the log in your eye. It's got pearls before swine in it. It's got the golden rule. It's got the wide road and the narrow road. I mean, just a lot of really key preaching texts. And when I was reading all of these texts, what it made me think about was a particular thing that happens in my family and at my home. So, we have a lot of rules at our house. Um, if you were to ask one of my kids, we have an unreasonable and unsustainable amount of rules <laughs> at our house. And we particularly have sets of rules that govern the use of tablets and technology and things like that. Any of y'all have those rules about tablets, when they can be used, when can tablets not be used, what can be on the tablet, etc. Whether or not the tablet can be used as a frisbee or a projectile in moments of anger. We have rules around things like this. And I've got kids of all different ages, kind of late elementary, middle elementary, kindergarten, and preschool. And the older kids have really got these rules down. They really understand the rules. They follow the rules. They get the rules, etc. They figured it out. But it took them a while, right? They didn't immediately get them figured out. It took them a while, but they finally got there. And the younger ones are still struggling to get the rules. And so as a parent, you have to kind of navigate that line, right, of helping them adhere to the rules for their own well-being and for the well-being of the family, but also showing grace and mercy and understanding to their maturity and level to understand, etc. The problem comes in when the older kids, the ones who have got the rules figured out, claim for themselves the authority of almighty police. <laughs> and they appoint themselves sheriff of the tablets and start looking for the people who are breaking the rules all around the house. And the second they see one of their siblings, right, not following the rules, busted so quick. And they're relentless and they're merciless. And what I keep wanting to say to them is this is not helping. This is not helping because what happens when big kid yells at little kid about breaking the rules? What does little kid do in return, right? Yell back and all of a sudden we've come up with a circular firing squad solution. And that's what's happening at the house. And so I keep telling big kids, I know that you've got the rules figured out. I know that you've been held accountable to rules. And I know that these others are not adhering to them. But guess what? You didn't either when you were at that place. You needed grace and understanding and patience in order to get to where you are today. And you are not showing any of that to them. And by the way, why do you want to be the parent anyway? This is hard. <laughs> this is really hard. And I'm grown. You're not. Just be the kid. Just be the kid. You're not responsible for them. I never look at a little kid breaking one of the rules regarding the tablets and say, you know who should have fixed this? The second grader. 
Just be the kid. Don't be the parent. Just be the kid. Let me work on them. And that dynamic, right, of someone who's received grace and received mercy and received teaching and received understanding, but when they see somebody else immediately pulling out the enforcement with no grace or compassion whatsoever, because honestly, while they've figured out the rules, they don't have the maturity to handle the teaching, it made me think about that. And just in general, why do you want to be the parent so bad anyway? Just enjoy being the kid and all the benefits that come with it. Being the parent's not your burden. Lay that burden down. And they said, thanks, Dad, you're so wise. <laughs> We're just really lucky to have you. And I said, you're welcome. <laughs> when Jesus is teaching, these aren't just words falling out of heaven, right? They're not just words falling down uh, from the ether onto stone tablets. Jesus is a real man, a real guy, talking to real people in a real place, right? An actual place. We're in the Sermon on the Mount right now, and he's speaking on the side of a hill. That's why it's called the Sermon on the Mount. It translates Hill Mount, but he's, he's actually speaking to them. By the way, this is just a quick point. Uh, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, and a lot of you had follow-up questions. I'm going to be leading a trip to the Holy Land in Israel in the last week of July, or last week of January next year. We're going to have an information session in March, the first Sunday in March, March 5th, just kind of explaining what it's like to go to the Holy Land. Uh, I keep forgetting to mention, it's organized by a professional organization. I'm not the one, like, booking the hotels. But it's a pilgrimage, and it's incredibly powerful. And one of the things that meant the most to me when I got a chance to go a little over 10 years ago was to stand on the mount, to stand where Jesus stood, to be on the side of that hill, and to, under, to be in that place while you hear the words of the Sermon on the Mount read. And so that's something we're going to do. I'll talk about it way more between now and then, but if you want to learn more, after the service uh, at the on-ramp, they've got some brochures and, and stuff like that. But so Jesus is speaking to the people that have gathered on the side of this hill, people who've come from all over and all different kind of backgrounds, and he's looking at them. And when he looks at them, he really sees them, and he really sees the things they're struggling with. He sees a community of people, and they're all Jewish at this time, in this place in his gospel story. They're all Jewish, but their faith is not a common thing that unites them with purpose and understanding. There's conflicts and their life of faith, and differences of understanding of what it is to be faithful, and what it is to be righteous, and what it is to live in right relationship with God, and to make it all worse, all of those disagreements and conflicts are having the tension raised to 11 by all the difficulties that they're facing with the reality of being under the, uh, the um, oppression of a foreign empire. There's military elements to this. There's economic elements to this. There's political elements to this. So they have fundamental theological disputes of what it is to be right and in right relationship with God. But all of that is having the temperature raised to 11 by the underlying issues of all of those things going on. At the same time, this community of people for hundreds of years has had a relationship with God wherein God tells them, do these things. Live this way. This is how to be my people. And over and over again, God continues to speak and to preach to them through the work of prophets saying, this is how you come back to the right place. This is how you follow the right way. This is how you live in relationship with God. And those systems of righteousness and sacrifices and worship and connection have been interspersed and made profane with systems of power and abuse. Their practices of what it is to just live in relationship with God can't be separated from the people who would take those things and use them for their own gain and authority. 
And behind all that is a nagging doubt that lives in the heart of those people. Is God even real? Does God even really care about us? We talk about the God of Abram, Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Joseph. Is that God even real? Did these things even happen? Is God even for us? And how can you say that God is present in that work when I don't see it? And it surely doesn't look to be present and at work the way it would be if I was God. And in the midst of all of that, their understanding of what it is to live in right relationship with God is bound up in the concept of rules and getting it right or getting it wrong. And that has not led them to grace and to satisfaction and to happiness and fulfillment. It's led them to feeling unrighteous and unworthy and anxious. That's who Jesus is looking at. And how does he feel toward them? He feels compassion. He feels grace over the course of this message. He's tried to bring them in to make sure that his good news is not just limited to the people in this group that have it all together or look to be blessed based on how, good, how well things seem to be going for them in their life. This is something that is good news for them. He's come to relieve burdens from them, not to place additional weights upon their shoulders. And to those people in the midst of those struggles, what he says to them is these conflicts that seem so existential to you, while they're incredibly painful, they're temporary and they mean nothing compared to the immenseness of my grace and my mercy into a community that has profaned honestly what it is to worship and to sacrifice and to live in right relationship with God who've taken these beautiful things this inheritance that's been given to them and have just made it ugly he tells them you're not judged at your worst Right? You're not limited to that. You're not stuck there. You're not too far from being restored and redeemed. No matter what it is that you've done individually or as a community of people, you are not beyond my restoration and my grace. To the people who are wondering, is God even real? Is God even at work? Is God even present? He's telling them, behold and look and see and feel and know because the thing for which you dream, the future for which you hope, the justice for which you plead, it is at hand. Look at me and see. And to the people who are struggling under the ways that constantly failing under the law has made them feel, he's come to announce a word of grace, a word of love, a word of acceptance and a word of healing. Your relationship with God is not about feeling like you aren't good enough. It's like finally being told that you're here and you're accepted and God sees you. Over and over again, when Jesus is talking to these folks in these place, he's not just preaching at them. He's not just preaching at them. He's meeting, he's meeting them. And right in the midst of their troubles, right in the midst of their existential issues, right in the midst of the struggle and the pain that keeps them up at night, that leads to fights within them and their families, that leads to disagreements, that leads to communities being torn apart. And this key element that he shows over and over and over again is to humble yourself, to humble yourself, to lower yourself, to stop being so drunk on your own pride and your own ego and your own understanding that your heart can actually open up and so that you can receive this new and good and life-giving thing that God is doing for you. Humble yourself so that you can listen and see what God is doing. 
So what would God say to us? If we were gathered all together on the hillside in the biggest mountain in Fort Worth. I thought that was going to make you guys laugh. <laughs> so we're all gathered on the Eamon Carter field and he's in row 15. What would he see when he saw us? He would see a community of people, a culture drunk on fighting each other and absolutely obsessed with disagreements over righteousness and fairness, what's intelligent, but more importantly, what's good. And he would see a community of people that's gone way beyond disagreeing with each other and has moved quickly into the territory of condemning each other. Because if you see the world in that way, you're wrong. You're unjust. You're evil. He would see a community of people who treat each other that way across disagreements that have existed forever. And he would see that same community of people su suffering under the fact that their social fabric is deteriorating. Their connections to their neighbors and to their coworkers, even to their friends and to their family, is being made weaker than it's ever been in the entirety of human existence. He would see the fact that these people, us, communicate more easily than any generation that's ever come before us, and yet we find it impossible to actually listen. And he'd be looking at a community of people who reside in the wealthiest, in the most powerful society that's ever existed on the face of the planet. You would also see that inside of that society, not everyone's cared for. Not everyone has equal opportunities. Not everyone is full or happy. You would realize that we're a society where in our area, one in four children don't have enough to eat every single day. And while we'll move heaven and earth to do anything we can to try to get them food, we will never stop and ask, why are all these kids so hungry? And even more so, he would look at a community of people who exist in this system, and those who find themselves completely achieving in it are also completely unfulfilled. He would look at a community of Christians, his followers, and he would see in them a community of people full of anxiety, full of anxiety over things like institutional decline and things like changing social practices. And he would see within a community of people folks that are so interested in tearing each other apart and condemning each other over points of doctrine about things he, of which he never, ever, ever spoke instead of devoting themselves wholeheartedly to the things about which he spoke endlessly. And in all of this, he would see it resting inside of a culture that tells you that success and happiness and worth is meant in achieving, in winning, in providing, and in succeeding, a culture by the which has been the greatest invention the world has ever come up with to lead people into lives of ennui, depression, and deaths, deaths of despair. That's what he would see. So what would he say? What would he say? To the people that are in the midst of those fights and those disagreements and those willingness to call those who disagree with them evil to the point of deserving condemnation, what he would say to us is, why have you taken on that job? Why have you taken on that job? 
You who so desperately need grace? You who so desperately need forgiveness? You who so desperately need to be understood as a person who's trying yet failing and met in that place with love? Why are you so quick to turn around and condemn somebody else? Why not instead rest in the fact that you are broken and being made whole and from that place find yourself actually made well enough where you can help your brother and sister? instead of just condemning them. So a community of people who've inherited a system that is unfair and unjust, he would say to those people, you're not stuck repeating the failures of the past. Just because pearls have been thrown before swine doesn't mean you have to do it over and over and over again. You're not beyond redemption. You're not beyond restoration. You're not beyond making this right. To the Christian community that is so drunk on its disagreements and its desire to condemn others over points of doctrine about things he never spoke instead of giving themselves wholeheartedly to the things about which he spoke constantly, he would say, have you forgotten whose church this is? And you're so worried and you're so anxious and you're holding on so tightly to what was. Can you just stop for a second and recognize what I'm in the middle of making? Would you just ask? Would you just look? Would you just open the door to the new kingdom that I'm bringing in all over the world, including your own life, and rest with a little bit of trust? And finally, to the community of people who've been struggling so much under the reality of the idea that life is about winning, or succeeding, or earning, or achieving. He would say, humble yourself. Humble yourself and remove that mantle. Remove that disgusting burden that you've allowed to be placed on your shoulders and recognize that the measure of your life has nothing to do with what you've earned or your titles or your zip code or anything like that and everything to do with how you live towards God and treat each other. And that's it. And that's good news. And that's a relief. And that's a burden taken off of you that never should have been there. That's the key to your happiness. That's the key to your joy. That's the road to your salvation. And it's right here. And it's waiting. Jesus would stand on the hilltop above the city of Fort Worth, this room and all of the people we know and love, and he would say those words, and in those words give not one iota of condemnation or judgment or rejection, but instead the proclamation of a new and better life available to everyone through nothing but faith and believing. And that's what he gives to you. May that be what you give to everyone else. Now would be a good time to pray. Let's pray. God, our Father, in your Son, Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you see us. You see us in the middle of our brokenness, individual and collective. You see us in the middle of our lostness as a church, as a community. You see us in the middle of our judgment and condemnation of others, and instead of judging us and condemning us, you offer us that word of grace. You offer us your word of hope. 
You offer us your gift of grace made known to us through the life and the death and the resurrection of your son Jesus so that not only us but your entire world may be redeemed and made news in the good news of your glory. So God, it's in gratitude and thanksgiving that we humble ourselves, that we open our hearts to your grace, and that we pray the words that your son Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As I invite forward the assistants who will be helping with the serving of communion today, I want to do so with a reminder that the sacrament of Holy Communion is not just a sign, but it's also a source. It's a source of power. It's a source of strength. It's a source of energy. It's a source of renewal for everyone who receives it. For on the day that he was to give himself up for us, Jesus had dinner with his best friends, his disciples, and he knew that they would need power and strength to believe in him and follow him. And so he held up a loaf of bread, gave thanks over it, broke it and passed it, and said, Take all of you and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the meal was over, he took a cup of ordinary table wine, gave thanks over it, blessed it, and passed it, and said, Take all of you and drink. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And in offering his body and his blood, Jesus gave us access to a source of energy, a source of focus, a source of real strength to live in this kingdom way in the face of a world that's trying to tear us down into being so much less. So, to assist with the work of opening up your hearts and if, to love and humility, I invite you to come forward. On the upper stairs in the balcony, we'll have stations up for you in the side where you can receive uh, communion upstairs. On the lower floor, um, beginning with the rear of the room, our usher is going to release you. You'll come down these center aisles with your hands held open like this. At the first station, someone with a food service glove will take a pre-cut piece of bread, place it into your hands. At the next station, you will have a pre-filled cup of grape juice. You'll then eat the bread and drink the juice before heading up out the outside aisles where there will be a trash can waiting for your now empty cup. We also have gluten-free stations for anyone with the sensitivity to wheat. I mean, gluten-free at the stations. We always celebrate communion with non-alcoholic grape juice in order to be inclusive of everybody. This is not the gatherings table. This is not the First United Methodist Church's table. This is Christ's table. And like his power, like his love, like his world-changing grace, it is for you and every single person here today. The table is set. The meal is ready. Come forward and be fed. And the best of me is barely breathing when I'm not somebody
As we come to the end of our time of worship today, just a few quick notes. A reminder that in two weeks, the 26th, our church is going to be blessing the runners of the Cowtown Marathon. It goes all around the church, and so we're volunteering to serve water at the 10-mile station, which is right there at 5th in Houston. So if you park at the church, you'll walk over. It's going to be a big party. You're just handing out water and saying, bless you, and have a great run to all those runners. If you want to be a part of that, uh, we'll meet you up here at the on-ramp station after church today and sign up. Someone asked, so are we still having church during the marathon? Yes, we're having church. We're still having church. That's just an extra. We'll still have all of our normal programming. That's just an extra above and beyond thing. If you want to find any other way to plug in and get connected, even things like reading scripture in the service, serving communion, anything like that, Pastor Brenda would love to find out more about how to get you connected. She'll be up at the front station as well. She's also been in Kenya for the last week and a half. Let's give God praise for bringing her back home. Pastor Brenda has been connecting with ministries that we've supported for years and has been finding new ways for our church to continue to impact lives over in Africa. So thank you so much for your willingness to serve in that way. If you're a first-time visitor or guest, we have a gift for you also at the on-ram station. That's also a place for you to find any more information about get, getting connected here in the life of First Church. If you've got a kid with you, we've also got a gift for them. And then finally, if there's something on your heart for which you just want to lift up, you just want to talk to somebody about, we would love to pray with you. Please do not leave without giving us the chance to pray with you. Andrew Helmers is part of our congregational care team, and after this and every service, someone, of, one of our trained congregational care ministers will be over there at that station. They would love to pray with you about whatever it is that's going on in the life of someone or someone that you love that you'd love to bring to God in prayer. Now, please bow your heads and receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May God's face raise and shine upon you. And as you go from this place, may you remove from yourself the burden of condemning and policing God's people and instead receive for yourself 
himself the good news of his grace for you now and every day. Amen. Go in peace. So